0: Get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This
1: is the successful life, Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me, take you down the path of our journey. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn, apply
0: it to your life. It's your turn to
1: live a successful life. You are tuning into the Successful Life
0: Podcast. Three, two, one, let's go. Hi, I'm your host, Corey Barrier business and sales coach for home service businesses and number one best selling author of nine simple steps to sell more shit. You can find my book on amazon.com by searching my name, Corey Barrier for owners that provide home services with customer service teams who are dissatisfied with their current performance. My CSR and technician accelerator will dramatically increase your booking rate and your technicians close rate, which will lead to higher ticket averages using my Proprietary process. For more details, you can go to CoryBarrier.com or you can email me directly at C O R E Y at C O R E Y B E R R I E R.com. I want to thank all of our men and women in the trades and a special thank you to our military. Would you be against leaving a review on wherever you're listening to this podcast? If you haven't left a review, I'm talking to you. Today's episode is a banger with John Ellis, the recovering contractor and the owner of Dynamic Air Consulting. John's an expert in indoor air quality, specifically with clients who are immune compromised. And John opened my eyes to how memberships are most likely costing you This
1: is the successful life, Cory Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journey. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn to live a successful
0: life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life
1: Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Cory Barrier, and I'm here with my man John Ellis. What's up, John? Hey, Good afternoon. Good to see you, my man. Oh, likewise. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. So, John, I, you know what? You can introduce yourself far better than I can introduce you. So could you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself and some exciting things that you're we're going to talk about today?
1: Well, absolutely. So again, my name is John Ellis. I've been in the HVAC industry for about 43 years now, so I've seen a lot of changes come and go. And... Uh, I am a recovering contractor. I had a HVAC business in California, and I'd like to say it took me 13 steps to get over that hump because I loved being a contractor. Don't get me wrong. What a great experience. I've had a, a wonderful opportunity to work with a lot of great developers and other trades. and In that though, I my truck said SoCal Air Dynamics performance contracting. So I was doing performance contracting way before it was cool. and. Um, I specialized in high-performance installation and systems and design. I was an air balance technician. I was a HERS rater. I'm a level one thermographer for doing thermal imaging. I am an IAQ specialist. I'm an economizer specialist, and I was commissioning leads buildings, and I was running maintenance and service, you know, con- um, calls as well. Your, your normal everyday day-to-day kind of HVAC type stuff. So, but in that I had some wonderful opportunities, worked for some amazing people. I have some great mentors that helped coach me and bring me up in the mechanical aspect. But then I crossed over into the building science and I was able to have some wonderful mentors in that. And then into the indoor air quality realm of things, just some wonderful associates and mentors to help me in that. And so wonderful opportunity. Fast forward, we went ahead and sold off the business. We moved. I'm in a lovely New Mexico, northern New Mexico. I live in a cabin in the woods, completely different way of life. I have absolutely no mechanical. And so I'm on a bunch of different forums and people say, hey, what kind of thermostat do you like? So I show my hatchet because <laughs> we chop down trees, cut wood. And so <laughs> different way of life. But that being said, I did start a consulting business and it's called Dynamic Air Consulting. And in that business, I work with clients that are severely respiratory or immunocompromised. So when my clients come to me, so keep in mind, I've been doing indoor air quality, very high level for a very long time, along with all the other stuff that I've learned and they all tie together. And so my customers come to me with cystic fibrosis. That's a death sentence. They've made great strides, COPD. They're going to die from that.
0: Lung transplant so tie, recipients. Tie, some, tie something together for me really quick. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I guess I did no mean to interrupt you. No. So this is the like a residential, I have to use it in the frame point that I can. So this is just like a normal person would call you with these issues. Is that what you're saying? Uh, or you're saying and a I, company would? And go uh,
1: ahead. So it worked, it worked a different way. Because I put myself out there as that person, I got a lot of calls. And most of the time it was a family with with a family member or themselves or especially children who had a wide sure. variety of problems. Once I got into that field and really started putting into practice um, creating solutions for those types of clients, the word got out and I didn't have to advertise. I mean, it was 100% referral based. So when I talk about cystic fibrosis, I, that's about as severe as you get or a lung transplant recipient. I mean, the biggest thing is that they don't reject that organ, that they've got a environment that's conducive to healing and an overall well being. And so then allergy, immunology, debilitating asthma all the way down to seasonal, you know, garden variety allergies were my types of clients. And in that I use that opportunity to work with contractors to come in the field, use all my testing equipment create a process of discovery, work our way out of a structure or a building, working with a family specific to their needs, and then we come up with a scope of work. And then, of course, it's up to them to bid it because I can't know all marketplaces across 50 states and Canada, but that gives them an opportunity to really understand how to go in and diagnose and create a solution for a specific type of client. So it's a wonderful opportunity. And then I've got the, just the amazing, amazing pleasure of teaching indoor air quality for Dyke and Amanda Goodman. Now they approached me about four years ago and said, John, we understand that you've been doing this for a while and we want to create a curriculum for the HVAC industry specific. And I said, I am absolutely your guy, but I will not stand in front of a group of people and sell products because that's what everybody else does. And I said, it's gotta be the nuts and bolts and science behind indoor air quality, which include building science, building forensics, and IAQ from a mechanical point of view built for our industry. And they said, let's get started. So it took about a year to develop the curriculum. And get it through the processes, which until you start doing this for a big company like Dyken, getting it through legal was fun. (laughs) But we got there. So I've been presenting this curriculum all over the United States and Canada. It's been very well received. And contractors are putting it to work. And it's just amazing. And so then I also am a business coach and field service trainer for the new flat Ray. So love them or hate them it works. And there's a lot of pushback on, on, on our methodology, but I have a, a an opportunity to go in the field, work with contractors. I'm a business coach and field service trainer, and we get into their books. We look at what's working, what isn't working, which technicians are profitable, who needs help. The overall process is first and foremost, we are not a pricing company. We are a software and process development company. We work with the contractor's existing pricing and then we take it from there and help them increase revenue, create consistency across all levels, whether you're a, a service technician, whether you're selling equipment, maintenance technicians, we handle warranties. So we, we create a process and it absolutely works. And in that with the founder, Rodney Koop, I was able with him to create the very first and only in our industry A building science and indoor air quality menu pricing system and it's a module and guys are absolutely killing it out there we put it through beta testing it's been up and running for a little over a year now and guys are just having great success so that's a it's a wonderful opportunity to cross over into me getting into the field helping contractors be profitable in their everyday business but also develop a indoor air quality division or process within their company. Fantastic opportunity. And then I work with a, I work with an OEM and I've been working on a product development for the last year. And we've got something coming out, hopefully in the next few months, that's just fantastic. And it is just ba- back to basics. It's MERV 16 mechanical filtration with outrageous performance data behind it with uh, like a three-year filter life And a very low static drop and all the numbers are going favorable for us. And so that's going to be launching here pretty quick.
0: Dude, you've been a busy dude. Like when do you find time to sleep in that cabin?
1: gal my my, and the wonderful thing my wife gets to travel with me we're empty nesters she does some different work that she's able to work remotely she's actually been an actress for 22 years in sag after. so when we're home she does little acting projects I dabble in that too so it's really fun last year a movie came out and this is a selfless plug so don't mind me it's just but it's called (laughs) Apache Junction with Trace Atkins and um we got to film it here in New Mexico, and they put a shotgun in my hand, and I got to do a full-blown Western movie shootout with the main actors. And they threw a stick of dynamite, and I got blown up. So if I never do another thing, and for the rest of my life, I am a happy guy. <laughs> That's
0: like the coolest scene you could have. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and so I, I don't have that cool of an experience, but I was in, I was filmed in Ocean's Eleven. Wow! Oh. It, it never came out. But I was an extra. I was not what you said. I was not anybody. But I was a paid extra in the movie, and I had no idea. I didn't know what Ocean's Eleven was at the time. I was just out yeah. in Vegas having fun. But your experience sounds like it was like unbelievable. It, That's it so was cool.
1: Really neat. Yeah, and we've been blessed to meet through my wife and doing some projects. We met some good friends out here, and they're like, "Hey, we're doing this movie. You want to come along?" It's absolutely absolutely yeah and they're like hey you know what one of the guys didn't show up you want to be in a shootout it's gonna have to ask me twice but anyway it's i dabble so it's a hobby and i'm just happy as can be to be
0: able to do something like that that's incredible i always yeah. thought it was interesting how how actors even get into character get into a different character you've got to have a certain mindset to be able to do that and it's just fascinating to me
1: it is and yeah, a lot of respect goes to a- actors. You see them on TV and you hear the backstory and certain actors get in trouble and you think, oh, well, you know what? But you know what? There is a lot that goes into it. I got to work with Liam on a short one and that guy, the, I've got a certain set of skills from Taken. What a neat guy. And he is 100% focused on his craft. And it's a, it's really neat to see some people that, you know, that, that are really into their craft. And so
0: uh, I digress anyway. Wow, that's fascinating. All right, so let's get back into this. So you did mention you mentioned the methodology. I think you're talking about the new flat rate. You mentioned people. Some people don't agree with that. Tell me more about that.
1: Sure. And again, so you know, love it or leave it, it doesn't matter. All I know is it works. And with my experience working with contractors across the United States, and it's a bigger, small community. These big cities, it doesn't matter. It works. So let's break that down a little bit, and it's not to spend too much time on it, but because I know this is not a, a marketing show. But anyway, so let's say a contractor is is selling. Let's use a, an outdoor capacitor for a condensing unit. Okay, okay, that's simple enough. And let's say they sell that for two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, and it's okay. I've seen it run the whole gamut of, of pricing across the different markets are different. And okay, that's fine. And so I like to call that our cheeseburger. And so you're gonna sell that cheeseburger for $250. You sold it yesterday for 250, you'll sell it tomorrow, a week from now, and three weeks, a year from now, you know, barring any price increases, you're gonna sell that cheeseburger for 250 bucks. But what if your client is a lobster or a filet mignon kind of person, and you don't have that on your menu, how many are you gonna sell? Zero zero. So what we've done is we've taken your base pricing. If you're selling a cheeseburger for 250 bucks, let's start there. And then we have an algorithm that will build our menu and we use five choices. It will build up to the filet mignon and lobster, right? And and then let's say our top option is $1,400. John, how can you sleep at night and sell a capacitor for $1,400? It's, oh, wait, I am not selling a capacitor for $250. I am selling a platinum service that includes a capacitor. And you always do more. You never do less. And so we go into what we call a wire termination Service. We will cut all those bare state connectors off and we will put shielded connectors. Hey, if the magnetic contactor's got a little pit in it, guess what? We'll go ahead and change that. We'll go ahead and clean the evaporator coral. We'll pull it apart and do that service. We always do more and build that value in that service. But if you never offered that on your day to demand service calls, you'll never sell it. And we're showing on a national average that 50% of your clients will wanna buy more than a cheeseburger if you only have it on the menu. And it's amazing. So the part that gets people a little riled up is we are fully scripted and we use what's called linguistic psychology and verbal packages. And this is where we lose people. So instead of calling a magnetic contactor a magnetic contactor, we call it a voltage distribution system. We call it what it does and the system that it works in. It's in voltage. It distributes the electricity. Right. So that keeps people off of Google, off of eBay, off of YouTube. And if they want to know, we'll tell them.
0: Fascinating.
1: And it's not to be dishonest. When, no. you, go, when you go to a homeowner and you're talking about a magnetic contactor or a capacitor or whatever it may be, that's all Japanese to them anyway. So right. why not call it what it does in the system it works in? And if they really want to know, we'll tell them because our system is built on honesty, integrity, and common sense. We're not here to shamboozle anybody. We just want to have a conversation.
0: At the end of the day, if you're providing the service that customer enjoys, they enjoy you coming to their house twice a year to the unit. If they enjoy you doing the things that you mentioned. That's what they're paying for. They're paying for the service, as you mentioned. They're not paying for the equipment. They're not paying for all those things, but I want to make one other point. So I love that you you said it like that because to keep people off of Google, why people may think when they hear that, that's shady. It's not really shady because what's really happening there is you're actually giving them more clarity by keeping them, not looking up everything that everybody else looks up. In other words, you're keeping there because what happens, right? You get a, a lot of people, not me, but let's just say your foot starts hurting. For some people, they're going to Google it, right? And they're going to read all the things that talk about your foot. And by the end of it, they're going to have a broken foot that's had, got gangrene because they read a bunch of articles that make no sense, right? And that's what you're saying. You're keeping people from muddying up what you're trying to accomplish, which is to provide them with a product and service that is superior to everybody else.
1: Here's the biggest thing behind that. And this is where our industry has ended up. We commoditize parts. So if I said, Mr. Corey, this is all you need, a capacitor. What don't you need? If this is all you need, what don't you need? You don't need me. So we wanna put the value back on the contractor you're the value you are the commodity not the part but that's where our industry has ended up we commoditize parts and then we get lost in a sea of people who are trying to sell the cheapest parts so if i'm not important and now it's just a numbers game i can buy fifty thousand capacitors and get them for next to nothing and so that's where i'm going to make my money it's like no you need to make your money on being the best service provider you possibly can. HVAC techni- technicians, what do they do best? They fix stuff, so let them fix stuff. And That's then right. we'll just have them follow a process, put a menu in front of the customer and allow them to choose the level of service they want. Because uh, typically we'd go into that and say, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Holman, you got a bad capacitor, it's 250 bucks, take it or leave it. We just back them into a corner and they don't have any say in the, in, in the matter. You know, millions of dollars change hands every day in the restaurant business by giving you a menu and allowing you to choose the cheeseburger or the filet (laughs) mignon, it's no different. And it's a wonderful experience. We perceived value comes up. And when you allow the the customer to make a choice on their level of service, Sales resistance drops way down because you're not pushing them into a corner. We don't like to be pushed into a corner as human beings. And that's some of our philosophy.
0: This episode of the Successful Life podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all in one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Yeah, dude. I mean, anybody that just has lived on this earth in the last couple of years has felt like they've been pushed into a corner at some point, right? So just you can think about that as the same thing. And you're right. People and people don't like feeling like they're being sold to. And when you say you've got to, you've got to, you've got to bad this, you've got to do this, it does make people defensive. Yeah. 100%
1: sure. it does. So that's that's our basic philosophy for demand service. We've got a wonderful process for maintenance agreements as well. I'm putting together, I'm going to be speaking at the HVAC symposium here in a few weeks in Florida, Brian Orr's group, and I'm going to be speaking on maintenance agreements. Now, the last two years I've been talking heavy on indoor air quality, but I'm changing it up a little bit. Historically, uh, maintenance agreements have lost money. We look at it as a loss leader, right? We look at it for retention and relationship. We hope to get that demand service, right? And then eventually at the end of that lifespan of that customer, we'll get the equipment change out, hopefully. And so what we did, so let's look at the, let's say you charge $240 for a maintenance agreement that includes two visits one in the spring and one in the fall before winter, right? So one before summer, one before winter. So at $240, and you may not know this, or the listeners may not know this, on average across the United States, it cost a contractor $250, now some markets are different, to put a truck in a driveway for 45 minutes. Now what is that? That's the truck, whether you own it outright or you're making payments, the maintenance on the truck, the technician, the windshield time, Fuel, having a fully stocked truck with parts and the benefits package for that technician, when you add all those up, it's about 250 bucks to put a truck in a driveway for 45 minutes. So if you're doing $240 on a maintenance agreement for two visits, that's $120 a visit. You've already lost $130 before you even left the shop. And then if they only go in and do the maintenance, go through their checklist, do the maintenance and leave without having added services, let's say you have got 1800 service agreements. And so at the end of the year on those 1800 service agreement, based on the numbers that I just said, now those numbers are subjective, they change. That's $468,000 a year that you've lost by having a maintenance agreement. Oh, well, John, we're going to get, we're going to get that. We're going to get that equipment changed. Okay. Let's look at that. Let's say you get a piece of equipment or a new acquisition and their equipment's three years old. And so 10 years down the line, it might be time to change that. And so at losing that $260 annual, by the time you get down to where you're going to change the equipment, you've eaten up all of the profit that would have been in there. That's $2,600. By the time that 10 years is done, you've eaten up that profit. So really, if unless you understand the numbers and follow that, you've just broken even or maybe made a little bit of money on that equipment change out. Because $2,600 $2, is a lot of money and that could, that depend on where your margins are, that could be all the profit you had in that change out. So we have a process that allows you to get positive invoices off of every ticket and it's a process one a maintenance a maintenance call is probably the most relaxed and the most stress-free call you could ever do with a client because it's casual they haven't been without heating or cooling for a few days and are at their wit's end or worried about what it's going to cost but if you go in and do a maintenance and spring something on them whoo just about knocked my thing spring something on them the sales resistance is going to go through the roof. So you have to set the table. And you do that from the time the CSR sets the the appointment all the way to you in the call. And then being able to see value-added opportunities. So people are most concerned about failures or no, safety. And then the second thing they're most concerned about is failures. And then the third thing that comes way down into the 30% percentile is like sundries, accessories, bolt-ons, add-ons, anything like that. So it's important to understand and just have that conversation. Hey, what brings us out here today? Uh, you're here to do a maintenance, fantastic. Mind if I come in? Oh, show me around the thermostat unit. Hey, uh, just to clarify, did anybody ever tell you what all is entailed in our maintenance visit today? They may have looked at it when they first signed up. So here's a story. I was in Minnesota and I was riding with a brand new maintenance tech. He just got his truck, his first day in the truck and he's riding along with me. Right. And we go to the call and I said, uh, I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to run this call. You watch me. So I start going through my scripting and we get through, uh, we get through it and it's, Hey, did anybody ever tell you what's all involved in our maintenance? Her phone rings. She's Hey, just a minute. She answers the phone and she says, Hey, can I call you back in just a little bit? The filter guys are here. Yeah,
0: Wow. the
1: filter guys. So our industry our the marketplace thinks that we're a bunch of filter changers and and, and I'm a filter changer. So we have to build that value. And so it's like, you know what, today we're going to go through your mechanical system, your performance system and your safety systems of the equipment. We want to make sure everything's running the best it can. And we here at Dynamic Air believe that safety is no accident for you and your family. That is always our top priority. And we want to kind of help ensure that you're not overpaying on your utility bills with the performance of the system. Hey, by the way, how's everything been running or working? Any strange noises, sounds, any comfort issues, hot or cold? So you ask that question. And you know what? They're going to tell you. If they don't, that's fine. You know what we get all the time? Oh, everything's been working just fine. Oh, that's good to hear. Glad to hear that. Hey, you know what? I know you said everything's been working just fine, but if I were to come across something that is of a concern that could cause a breakdown in the upcoming heating or cooling season, what would you like me to do about that? And then they're going to calm down a little bit. Well, yeah, I'd like you to tell me about it. Well, we are here for a preventative maintenance, right? And so what I just did is I set the table every step of the way. One, now they know that I'm not just there to f- change a filter. You know, And every company is different. You know, are you doing combustion analyzing? Are you checking all the electrical components? Are you checking function? Are you checking airflow? Are you doing visual inspections on everything? So it's gonna be different, but that's a lot more than just changing a filter. And then two, I set the table for letting him know when I'm done, if I find something, you gave me permission to come back and tell you. That's and it. I'm not just bringing it on them. And then so you do your maintenance. And uh, again, based on honesty, integrity, competence, and training, you go through it, you look, and always look for those value added. I'm a firm believer that every system should have surge protection on them. And then and, and looking at the you know, the performance part, you look at the blower. It doesn't take a whole lot to do a pull and clean on a blower. And that's an added service. But then you come back and say, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Homeowner. I just did your maintenance and everything is running pretty well. However, I am a little concerned. I did find a fault in, for that may be your, com, your your exhaust removal system. It's operating outside of manufacturer specifications. It could cause you a problem in the upcoming heating season. Hey, I got several options. Would you like to go over those now? Let their yeses be yes and their nos be no. Make sense? 100%. And then you show them, you show them the options. And so what does that do? One, one, they're already relaxed. They're not uptight because it's a maintenance call. You already told them what you're going to do every step of the way. And so if it's of a concern to them, it's a convenience thing. Yeah, we can take care of it now, or you can wait till it breaks down on the coldest day. When you call us and I've got 50 calls, I may or may not be able to get to you. And so that's the whole process. And then we took it a step further to introduce the conversation about indoor air quality. I got one more question. Is there anybody in the home that has allergies, asthmas, bronchial or respiratory issues that we need to know about? And they're gonna say yes or no. Oh, you know what, little Johnny has asthma. Some certain times of the year, it it aggravates him. I'm really sorry to hear that and I feel for you. You know what, our company's running a special right now. While I'm doing my maintenance, I can run a 30 minute air assessment this just it lets us know if there's any pollutants in the air that we need to be concerned about. It's free. Is that something you're interested in? Free. Right. Everybody likes free. Everybody likes so th- depending on what kind of equipment you have, I work with a company called air advice. You set up the monitor, you go do your thing and 30 minutes it, it sends a report to your phone. And then as you're having that conversation with the customer about what your findings are, it's by the way, I got that report back. We'd like to go over that now. Based on some national averages from the EPA, the National Lung Association, and the National Heart Association, some of your pollutant levels are a little concerning. But don't worry, we have some options to take care of that. Would you like to go over those now? So it's and not high pressure? Right.
0: Go ahead. Yes. And if you think about that very situation, right, that nobody should ever feel bad about having that conversation with that customer, ever. Right. And what I'm saying is a lot of guys do feel like they're that that would be a sales pitch. Right. Some people may hear this and think that's a sales pitch. I hear that. And I feel like you have you've totally executed a sales process. You And I love that you get the customer buy in, because I think that's absolutely key. Because if people give you permission to tell them whatever it is that you need to tell them, they can't be upset with you. They can't be upset when you tell them whatever they told you they could you could tell them. And so sure. I think that's really key, right? I think it's super key. It is. And, and that's also gaining
1: customer confidence in your ability to, and that that's just part of our process. It's uh, Now I've been doing it a long time and some contractors stumble over it, but once you learn the scripting, it becomes very, did it sound like I was robotic? I made it very conversational. That was a script. So just getting comfortable with it, making it your own, stepping in and out of the script, but always getting back to it is something that takes a little
0: bit of practice, but it's, it's really neat. And making it a little customizable, as you said, making it your own, I think super important because I think scripts work great, but I also think once you learn the script, like you do need to tweak it on your own. I'm not saying change the process or change the script, but as you did and as you use your language patterns and your tonality with me, that was your version of the script and people need to get their own version of it. So it feels Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. And very conversational. A hundred percent. Yeah. It it should always be a conversation. If And like you said, it's a yes or no. If you ask them a yes or no question, if the answer is no, it's cool. Like you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't feel like I've got to sell them something before I leave. No, it's, you're really going to ruin a customer if that's how you feel. But if you don't ask, you don't get. So by, by setting the
1: table, having the conversation, bringing them, first showing about 50% of maintenance calls can be converted. I I mentioned the one kid out and I call him a kid because you're a brand new Mm -hmm. maintenance tech. By the way, maintenance techs are starting to become a thing because more and more companies, because you have a service tech and a service tech, one, the technician is anticipating making a certain amount of money. So then you've got a younger technician who's learning the ropes. They tend to get put on to maintenance calls, which is fine. I mean, that gets them real comfortable with the equipment and everything that's involved with that. But then a certain maintenance tech wants a service tech wants to make a certain amount of money. And there's an opportunity when doing service because, Hey, they, they called you, something's broke. You're going to go and fix it. And they're going to buy something from you that's given. And so their commission base on those service calls, is a given where a maintenance tech typically doesn't have that opportunity because they're coming up. But with our process, it gives a maintenance technician the opportunity to actually increase value in the maintenance call, convert that to a positive ticket, and now they can be commission-based as well. And so that company in Minnesota, they've got three or four young maintenance techs that are just killing it out there, and they're getting commission. And the revenue from the maintenance department is almost catching up to service department. Another reason we have maintenance is, and this is an old school of thought, is when you, your exit strategy, hey, you know what, I'm older now, and I'm thinking about selling my business. But it used to be the school of thought, how many maintenance agreements do you have? That, that was tied into the value of your company.
0: They don't even look at that well, now, it's do not they?
1: Really, it's not really that way. Now, it could be a small part of it, but not the same kind of weight it had many years ago. So if you look at your company departmental wise, you've got a service department that better be profitable. You've got an installation department that should be very profitable. You've got a sales department that's profitable. And then you've got the, the elephant in the room, the maintenance department that's losing money and hemorrhaging. And so they take money from the other three departments to prop them up. And so if you look at that overall, that would devalue your company. But if you've got a maintenance company that's just rocking and catching up to your service department and is standing on its own and profitable, that changes the game. Absolutely changes the game.
0: All right. So let me ask you this. So the numbers, and I'm just curious because you mentioned maintenance techs and service tech. So when you mentioned that, I think it was 500 and some dollars per, was it 500 bucks per tech or something a year? I can't remember what, the numbers what, you just said. Well, was well the, the numbers
1: on? are arbitrary right? based on what different companies sell their maintenance agreements for. And I've seen companies, I, and the reason I use the numbers, because I've worked with companies who sell their maintenance agreements for $240
0: for two visits. And so once yeah, you start- breaking, a liking, lot of them.
1: Breaking, yeah. And based on w- the cost
0: of putting up- Here's what I was wondering. So I was just wondering what the, I was really just wondering, like, how much of a difference are you seeing in- like a maintenance tech, the out, how much you would have to pay a maintenance tech with a different, maybe different type truck. I don't know. Do the numbers change that much? I guess that's what I'm asking. Between course, a maintenance tech and a service tech.
1: A service tech gets his call because something is broken. A customer is feeling pain and they call you. And so you know you're going to go there and you're going to charge that customer for a repair. So the revenue is almost guaranteed. Whatever that may for look sure. like, at, if your customer's only sell, selling cheeseburgers, hey, you know what? I'm going to go sell a cheeseburger, whatever that may right. be. But sure. a maintenance tech goes there and they're going to go through a routine maintenance. And historically, our industry doesn't look at that with the same opportunity as a service call. And so for and let's use silly numbers. So let's say you've got a good maintenance tech, he's got a few years, he's an apprentice. 15 bucks an hour, but you got a top level service guy that's making $30, $35 an hour, but he, be, and he's running 10 calls a day. All those 10 calls should yield a certain amount of money. So you bringing in $2,400 a day on the truck. But if you're sending a maintenance tech out to a, a maintenance call and not able to convert that, you're losing money.
0: No matter what you're paying. All guy. right. Yeah, so I think where I was trying, my brain was trying to draw the line was that 15 and 35. I was just trying to understand what the difference was and how much you pay each person, but you help, you helped paint that picture really well because now you made me, that makes total sense. And you're 100% right. That maintenance guy is not even a threat, right? He's not even a threat. That's why it works. Right, and
1: because of the way we've looked at maintenance agreements as a loss leader through the years having a low level maintenance tech that's making lower dollar per hour makes sense but when you give it when you train them and give them that opportunity man they just they like yeah they don't mind being a maintenance guy
0: because they're making well, now really they're ref- able to make I was really referring oh, to like for the customer like for the customer like it's a it seems like a super smart move to have the maintenance guy to go out instead of the service technician, because it's an easier conversation and therefore they should be able to convert those tickets quicker than it being a service technician. That's what i was saying, right? Well, absolutely. And to your point, because I work with so many
1: companies all over the United States, I've worked with companies who are holding 2000 maintenance agreements and they're really having trouble with the labor shortage of getting them all completed. So they're they're sending out their top technician to do a maintenance. They feel belittled and they feel there's no opportunity here. So they're just like, they're just turning them over. So you're paying a guy $35 and he's turning them over as fast as he can without following a process and looking for those opportunities just to get them all done. What 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 a lost opportunity that is. That's leaving a whole lot on the table. Again, I'm talking in general terms. It's so different. What happens in California is not the same in Georgia. And in New York, almost every call is a parking ticket. So they add that to them. They add that to their call right off the top. So I'm talking in very general terms, so I don't want anybody to think, oh, it's not that way in my marketplace. Very, very true. But I'm looking at national averages and trying to give a general description across lots of different marketplaces. And so there's a huge opportunity to be profitable in a maintenance
0: department, no matter what your marketplace is. A hundred percent. But that makes total sense. And man, you really just kind of hit me between the eyes with them trying to catch up with these maintenance agreements and sending their top people out. And I hadn't thought about how that top person feels, which is sort of embarrassing, right? I hadn't thought about how they feel when they go out to this crap call and they know it's a crap call and they just burn it.
1: They just burn it because they don't think there's an opportunity there to make their their commission with it that they would on a service call based on the dollar amount of the ticket.
0: Yeah, it's not worth it to them. Like there's you, there's not enough juice. Was it squeeze for juice for the, <laughs> yeah. the squeeze? I guess squeeze for the juice or juice for the squeeze or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, that's fascinating. All right. So I do want to I do want to dig into I do and you knew I was gonna ask you about this. You said recovering contractor, which as we had a little bit of a conversation before the show. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I think that's actually what I said to you is I said, Well, it's interesting, you got a name recovering. Contractors, tell us a little bit about that journey if you don't mind
1: yeah and i use that term rather candidly because any contractor that a business owner knows there's a lot of pains that come with um, operating and owning a business and trying to be successful and all the things that come with that but i and on a personal note and i'm going to be very transparent here i was not always the guy that's on your screen today and i had my struggles with alcohol and substance And it took its toll, but by the grace of God, I was able to turn that all around. And I've got 22 years sober and it's been the best 22 years of my life. And I was a young slinging HVAC guy and out there just running and gunning and having money come in and I was partying it all away. But you know what? There's a better way. So it was my turn. It was what I needed to do. And I realized that. And we all, we there's lots of things that come when we're talking about the big book in different ways and Bill and Bill's book and everybody's bottom is different and you got to hit your bottom. And, uh, but you know what? Uh, it, it's very true that we all have a different bottom. And I was, like I said, I was running and gunning and partying and I thought everything was fine. And oh, I'm different because I'm a functional drug addict and uh, until I wasn't. And it sneaks up on you. And it's been a journey and I'm not embarrassed to talk about it and like working with younger people and helping them find their path and their journey. And everybody's a little different on how they get there and and it's, and it's fine. And uh, it's been the best 22 years of my life.
0: (laughs) So let me ask you a question. If somebody's listening to this, right, obviously people are listening to this, but if, if there's a listener that maybe is going through that early struggle, or maybe they haven't, hit that bottom yet and maybe they are a HVAC contractor maybe plumbing contractor probably and and they're in a position where you know they are the business owner so like lots of times we don't have too many people to go to especially if you're still in addiction what would you say to somebody that that is struggling out there what are some of the things that maybe you really you know if you'd have pulled your act together quicker that maybe could have saved you time or could have saved you, Money or whatever it is, because I know there's some things in there. We could do a whole segment on this. <laughs> That's a fair but, point. Uh, one, one, you got to
1: identify there's a problem. and Until you admit That's there's right. a problem, there's not a problem. Two, you got to want it. And you got to want it more than other people want it for you. And three, I think one of the biggest things is separating yourself from those people and it's painful and it could be family members it could be a spouse that's just there for the party with you and i know it it just sounds brutal but you have to separate yourself from that to give yourself a fighting chance to to heal and people heal differently and so how you go about that is there's a ton of resources out there whether you want to go the recovery method from Bill, which is spiritual based, or you could go the other way. I, I used a program called Celebrate Recovery. It was based on, on 12 steps right out of the Bible and it was church based. And it's a fantastic program. There's a lot of crossover and it's a, so the healing process, it's the same. And you have to go through, you got to go through the process, the 12 steps or whatever that may be. And so that's again, so identifying, admitting you have a problem, you got to want it more than other people want it for you. And then you've got to get yourself away from the sources, if you will, just dig in. And uh, again, it happens faster and slower for different people, however they react to it. But it's wonderful. And and I thought I I was having a great time because next thing, 10 years goes by and man, that was a great time. (laughs) But now you're deep into your addiction. It's a journey. It is for sure. And not an easy one.
0: And I say that it's not an easy one. It doesn't, but I'm not saying that that all of it's hard. But if you just do the steps and trust in whatever you trust in, take your foot off the gas, take your foot off the wheel and let somebody else drive for a minute, which I had a problem with, of course, that will change things for you. I've seen in my own life work just even recently.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, John, this has been just an incredible conversation. I really yeah. really appreciate you coming on today. If you could, could you just tell everybody where they can find you? If you also want to mention anything that you want to mention how they can get a hold of you or if yeah. you want to and if you want to do any kind of giveaway or anything on the on here, you can do that as well. We didn't talk well, about uh, that but
1: Before we close out, there's one other component that I want to talk about, and that's my Indoor Air Quality Principles workshop that I do. It's 16 hours of this, (laughs) so 16 (laughs) hours, but and it's two days. It's foundational, and we take that deep dive. Over the last two and a half some years with the onslaught of the pandemic, and I like to think we're... At the tail end of that now all this stuff came out of the works woodworks and there was all kinds of manufacturers of gizmos and gadgets making claims that were basically dangerous and our marketplace i think right now has hit saturation and those those products if you will and i'm not going to say any names because i don't have to and it doesn't matter where your beliefs are base everything that I talk about on on science and reviews and and scientific studies. But I think there's a void, a vacuum, if you will, in our industry right now for something more tangible and real. And so that's, I'd like to think, think that I'm in a position to fill that void with my IAQ workshop. Now it is nothing to do with products. It is about finding a, for a client that is in great need. The there is a great need to serve our clients right now in this realm. And people being at home with the pandemic realize, hey, that wall looks dingy. Let's paint it. Or you know what? I don't feel so good in my house because I'm not going out every day. And maybe there's something going on. Uh, again, because we're a process driven. My, my my course teaches you a process to properly diagnose indoor air quality. It's a three-step process, investigate, analyze, and quote. See what I did there? IAQ, investigate, analyze, quote. Without <laughs> oh, so a proper good. without a proper investigation or discovery process, you can't fix what you don't know. Only our industry has gone straight to the prescription. Prescription without diagnosis is malpractice.
0: Okay? I All got right, that quick political. question. Let me... Let me ask you one quick question on that. So do you think that's because of the flood of the pandemic? Do you think, or do you think it's just pure neglect? It,
1: it's a little bit of both. Unfortunately, marketing is a tricky beast. And we're bombarded from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed with marketing. Our industry is no different. And they make claims that are very exaggerated. And oh, our technology has been tested in a lab under very sterile, very unrealistic conditions. And we're killing 99% of whatever you want it to be. And that's all they grab. And they put that on their box and their marketing. But it's not in the real world. It is in a very controlled environment under unrealistic conditions that we would never duplicate at our client's house. And that's what they run with. And that's what we see. And that's what we grab a hold of. So some of these. Technology has been around for a while. It took the pandemic and people being at home and really be because of, <coughs> excuse me, because of COVID, hey, you know what? I want to be, be healthy, healthy in my home. In it. Sorry, I
0: didn't mean yeah, I know, to laugh. Yeah, I know. Just talk
1: COVID. Yeah. It, it, insert COVID. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Off there. Not COVID. But, and so we're prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. We go straight there. When anybody ever mentions indoor air quality, the first thing they want to do is go right to whatever the latest and greatest thing at the supply house that I can, they're having a sale on and I can make $1,500 off of, but just by installing one, they're going to do that. Unfortunately, they don't work and the homeowner's left unprotected. And I go into a deep discussion on this and I try to be very product agnostic if you will, and I don't call them out by their product name, but I talk about the technology, the science behind the technology. I try to drive that bus right down the middle. But once you hear me talk about it, you can connect the dots. But I try to be very clear about that. So we need to make decisions based on data and (coughs) diagnostics and create a solution for that client.
0: Yes, and I love that you you said you, you look if you yeah. don't ask questions if you don't ask questions if you don't diagnose you you can't in good faith give somebody a solution if you don't have all the facts. Our industry does it every day. I know, every I know. single
1: day, prescription without diagnosis. So that being said, we've created a process. We talk about building science, building forensics. We talk about I, I'm HVAC heavy. We talk about that. We talk about pollutants, how to identify testing tools, how to create a scope of work. It's a fully interaction inter, interaction class with worksheets and different scenarios. It really plays out well. And, and then with that and the IAQ module from the new flat rate, I got guys out there absolutely killing it and doing right by their clients. So there's a couple of things I can just throw out there through Dyke and Amanda Goodman and HVAC learning center is my class. Mr. Akama, the owner of Daikin, doesn't care whose equipment you sell. Quite frankly, I don't care whose equipment you sell. So anybody can take this class. And that's his olive branch. Mr. Akama has very eloquently said, hey, look, you know what? At the end of the day, it's just a metal box with a bunch of components and a bunch of wires and a motor in it. And it's the contractor that breathes life and brings it to life. And so he doesn't care if you're his first choice, second, third. He just wants to be at the table. And so he offers this kind, this training through Daikin to anybody. And I've done Carrier and Lennox, and you name it. I've gone to there and talked about and taught this class. So that's first and foremost. And so it's the HVAC Learning Center. You can Google that. The new flat rate, easy. Google that if it's something you're interested. Love to have the conversation with you. Hate it or love it, it works. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. My phone number is... I'll talk to anybody. I take calls from all over the United States all the time and Canada with questions. If you've got an IAQ client and you need some help with it, my pleasure, or you got questions about system performance or how the new flat rate or how to create a process, I'm here for you. So pretty simple. And then if you wanted to push that out, you can absolutely push that out
0: hundred percent. I really appreciate that, my man. That was great. And my apologies for almost forgetting, the, I won't say the most important part, but I'll, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of that last part, John. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate you.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. Happy new year, everybody. And again, I'm here to help. I just, I'm in legacy mode now that ha- having retired once and coming out and just passing knowledge down to the next generation. And I want I just want to see people be successful and do right by your clients. So That's there you right. go.
0: Thank you, brother. I appreciate you.
1: All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. If you took any-
0: away from this podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination.